know this. Introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not PS. Tooling Semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWT Semantic. Yeah, me know. Boom! Tooling Semantic. Yeah, me know. Big ups to the man. Tooling Semantic. Welcome to another episode of Soothing Semantics. I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky. Subscribe, like, share, leave your comments, and here we go. Today, we have Arya Rafoon on the podcast, and uh, Arya is somebody that, that uh, used to, you, we used to work together uh, when we did, when we did loans, you know, we did all different kinds of loans. We're not going to get too much into that. I don't want to bore anybody with the details, uh, but we recently got reacquainted and uh, Arya now has a jewelry company, okay, called Arya and Co. Correct. Yeah. I hope I got that right. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so definitely go into go into that for us. Uh, you're welcome to share. Sure. So, you know, obviously you and I go back a little bit, but Arya and Co. is a company I've been building over the last four or five years. Um, you know, my own personal brand, my own personal company, um, and, and it's grown into, you know, something a little bit bigger, you know, now we have a team, um, we specialize in custom made jewelry, a lot of bridal stuff, but we also do just cool designs that our clients will send us. Sometimes it's a company logo. Sometimes it's just, you know, a cool idea that someone drew up. Um, so yeah, so we really specialize in, in custom-made diamond jewelry and, and engagement rings, bridal, bridal jewelry, stuff like that. Okay. And you, how, how far, how far uh, are you, have you expanded in terms of national, international? Do you, I mean, I, I, I'm going to post any kind of content you have, meaning uh, website, email, anything like that, any contact info so people can reach you. Uh, so in terms of, I know there are some very big players here in Miami. A lot of them, a lot of them are Bukharian. There's, there's Chayamov jewelers. They're very big. They work with the celebrities. I don't know if you've heard of them. There's a couple of others, but I don't, I don't remember offhand. But uh, right. how, how far out have you expanded at this point? So, I mean, we're still, you know, I mean, we have clients across the country. So originally our customer base was, I mean, it was 100%, you know, family and friends of mine personally um, that I just reached out to when I was first starting the company. And when I, you know, and so a lot of the business was referrals also. So they would send their relatives, you know, once you make a ring for one person, they refer their brothers, their sisters, you know, cousins that are getting engaged, that type of thing. But it was all tri-state area. Um as the years went on, as we, you know, we continued to grow, we invested in marketing. We started, you know, getting more organic customers from, you know, complete strangers, just people that saw our work on social media, on Instagram, um, a little bit through our website. Um, but now, I mean, we sell, we ship jewelry out, you know, to Hawaii, to, you know, the West coast, Denver, California, 
California, Florida, I mean, East Coast, we basically cover the map, you know, in terms of United States. Um, I, ideally, at one point, we're going to do international as well. But right now, the focus is, you know, one state at a time. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. And that's awesome. I, I, I wish yeah. you lots of success. I hope that people listening to this, uh, anyone who needs jewelry, go to my man, Aria. Okay. And I'm, I'm my pleasure, bro. That's what it's here for. In terms of the custom jewelry, because I've always been curious about this. How do you, how do, how do people make that? How do you, I, I've seen there's a machine and people actually carve the designs, but do you have someone in-house or someone you send it to? Or how do you, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think you do it. You actually make the jewelry yourself. And if you do, that's dope. But yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sitting there, you know, on the bench doing all, doing all that work. I mean, it's definitely really difficult. Um, when it comes to custom, it's all done on a computer. You, you still need a lot of experience for that. We have a couple uh, different designers that we use. Um, they're casting houses as well. So we'll send them an image and then they'll have their experts, you know, sitting on a computer and they they draw it up. You know, it's called a CAD design. It's a computer and assisted design. Um, so that's 99% of the time, if not 100%, it's they come up with an image that's identical to the one we sent. And from there, they, they print it out. It's in a wax. Um, it's like a purple, sometimes yellow, like just a wax model of the actual design. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then once that's approved, they'll send, they'll send it to get casted in whatever metal, you know, we wanted to make the piece in. Um, so the main thing is really nailing down the design that our customer had in mind. Um, so that that's left up to the, the design team that actually sits at the computer figuring out the measurements, you know, trying to nail down the exact look that we're going for. And then we print it, we sort the, we source the diamonds, organize them depending what kind of size diamonds we're using, gemstones, whatever it may be. And then once we have the piece and the stones, then we're able to bring it to a jeweler who's not me, <laughs> someone who's actually sitting there, you know, and setting all the diamonds, finishing the piece, polishing it up. And then it's good to go. That's really cool, man. Because I've always been curious to know how this all works. If you have a video, I can find a video online. But if you have an actual video of some of the pieces you, you've made, I can post it here. That'd be very cool. Just so people can get a picture of how these things are done. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a lot, but it's, I mean, you'd be surprised you get this all done. Sometimes, you know, within a week, sometimes even quicker. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's pretty incredible. I mean, I just see some of the the bling these rappers have, the ice that these guys have. It's insane, man. The yeah. money they spend. I mean, it, quite frankly, I think it looks fucking stupid, if you ask me. But at the end of the day, I want as many of these pieces to be made by you and you make as much money as possible. Some of them are really cool. Like, don't get me wrong. A nice, like, Magain David, like I have, okay, Star of David, for all who doesn't understand what I said. Like, I have a, I have a gold necklace. It's nothing crazy. It's a small you know, relatively small. Okay. Thing. Yeah. But it's not, you know, I love it. The, the, the chain is, is a nice sturdy gold chain, gold pendant. Um, I don't know if I do something custom because I don't really care for heavy, you know, like the heavy diamonds, the shininess. I'm not into that, but uh, I've seen some cool things. But yeah, uh, when so I, yeah. 
No, when Sorry. I do real quick, when I when I see these humongous, massive chains chains with the with the spinning thing, and I don't know, people have these actual humans. They have different kind of who knows what, man. The things that that I've seen, that looks so complex. It's a it's a whole project. Yeah. So so yeah. So you'll see some cool stuff, and then you'll just see some things that are just over the top. You know, we're not really trying to make necessarily some crazy hip hop pieces. We, you know, I personally, my belief is I, I prefer to make something unique custom that comes off as more of a, a work, a piece of art. Obviously it has meaning behind it for the person we're making it for, um, which is what matters most, but I'm more into the sleeker looking, um, smaller designs that are just come off as high quality and they are high quality, you mm -hmm. know, as to just having like a bunch of diamonds thrown onto a piece of metal you know for sure i i i'm much more on your page i think at the end of the day these jewelers know that there's a huge market you know what i mean like at the end of the day uh i mean i'm just listen this is why i have a podcast i just like uh, you make disclaimers because people take this out of context but it's not just black people but yeah you know, let's be honest like black people like the ice you know what i mean it's just the culture they like the ice uh, they like that kind of situation. So if you're a jeweler and you know that that's your market and there's a lot of money to be made, then it's a great market. You know what I mean? I don't think a lot of these jewelers would necessarily wear the stuff themselves. Maybe some of them wear it to kind of build rapport, you know? So if they come into their shop, the seller, the actual jeweler or his sons or whoever will wear their own kind of similar looking bling. But I don't know how many of them actually wear because they want to, but more so because it creates that relationship. Like, oh, yo, he's got that too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you can see. I don't know how clearly you can see online on Zoom. Can you see that piece? It looks nice. What is it? Uh, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. I don't know if you could tell. Yeah, I can tell. I can see it. That looks yeah, really cool, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, that was something. I don't even wear it every day because it's kind of loud, but it's something I made for myself. You know, it's it fits your first uh, name, man. Your first name means yeah, means lion in Hebrew. So exactly. So I felt like I had to have, you know, some sort of staple piece, <clears throat> but it's definitely not something I would wear out on a daily basis. Um, and personally, I wouldn't really wear like an iced out Cuban link necklace. You know, it's not it's not my style. I'd rather just you know kind of be behind the company and not necessarily make the company just about me and be a celebrity. A lot of jewelers, you'll see that they're, they're celebrities they, or they want to be celebrities themselves, you know, which is one route, but it's not really my style, you know, to be like that flashy and that out there. Okay. I hear you. I hear yeah. you. So uh, I, I'd say I'm probably on the same page in that regard. The thing also is it's like, yeah, I mean, people who've got, who are really out there, you know, you have this guy, Avi and co, maybe you've heard of him. He does watches. He's huge in the watch game. Like he works with all these celebrities. So he's the face of it. You know, he, uh, he, he, he's flashy for sure. But I mean, that's what gets him. That's what gets him there. You know? So, yeah, I mean, the more I, more and more, I, I, I you don't have to be on the front end to be a successful business owner. There's no question, but at the same time, if you can rock it, if you, if you're about it and you can make it happen, it's helpful because, business is all about relationships and, and knowing the right people. So exactly. you, you, having the best products are key at the same time, being that guy that the people actually want to chill with is also a huge plus. But then again, again, there's a lot of people that 
are very successful and are not the face of it. You can always hire somebody or have somebody that works for you or even a partner that's more of that kind of person and they can always be that person is what I say. Right. Yeah, no. So I definitely have those, you know, personal relationships and as we grow, it'll be harder, you know, to have that relationship with every customer, but you know, it's definitely, you definitely have to be personable. It's, it's an industry, it's that type of industry, you know, it's fashion luxury. Um, you want to be able to hang out and be able to hang out with people at events, socialize, you know, kind of get to know people on a personal level for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's key in anything. So what, what got you into jewelry to begin with? I, I would have asked this earlier, but we kind of, you know, got into the schmooze. What, what of all businesses, and it's a great business, what made you decide that you wanted to start a jewelry business? So I was, I want to say I was still in college. I was trying out different fields. I was in real estate, um, marketing. I was just trying different things. And I had a friend that was in the, in the business. It's a lot of family owned businesses, so it's, it's tough to get in. Um, so it was a, a role where they basically offered me like a couple hundred bucks a week to just, I guess, soak up information and do some, uh, they were a manufacturing office for retail. So my friend got me in the door and I just basically was an apprentice under him um, and under the owner really. And then that's how I got in. I mean, it was just basically meeting with actual jewelers, you know, the process I just described to you. Uh, meeting with wholesalers, meeting with diamond dealers, and then people that actually work at the bench. Um, so that's kind of how I got my experience. But the way I got my foot in the door was just I had a friend in, in the industry um, that basically they asked me to come out, help you know build out the office a little bit. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's I mean that's key, dude. You get help someone. Someone helps you get in the door. You learn from someone for a bit. You kind of suck it up with the shitty money you get. And then yeah, eventually you learn enough. Huh? Yeah. The American dream. Yeah. Right. But yeah, a lot of people aren't willing to do that, you know, cause it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough to not get paid what you want to get paid, but you know that you're learning important skills so you can go out and do what you want to do on your own. Yeah. And, and it's like, in, in, especially with jewelry, there's so much glamor that surrounds it. Just, you know, being around diamonds all day. So when you're, when I was in that position, it felt like, okay, we're in a nice lavish office. We have all this money around us, all these diamonds and these big 10 karat rings, you know? So you kind of feel, and I was a young guy. I was, I mean, 18, 17, 18, 19, 20, you know, college age. Um, so you, it feels cool, you know, to be surrounded by it. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a family owned business. You're not really making money. Um, at some point, if you, if you like it enough, if you, if you have the, you know, the drive, you know, to start off, you got to do it on your own. You know, you got to eventually break away from that. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely an interesting field. Definitely a fun business to be in. Awesome. Man. I'm glad you like it. So it's, it's awesome. But you, you, you mentioned that you did the apprenticeship 18, 19, 20. I thought you did it recently. Like I thought, I didn't know you were doing this before. Oh no. So this was before when, when you and I met, I had taken a full-time job. I had left the company I was working for the jewelry company where I was kind of, I went from apprentice. I was there for, I think two years, maybe. So I eventually was full-time, but still not getting paid well. So I ended up leaving them and 
that's when I was working um, at the finance company and, and that's when you and I met. So I was building the jewelry, my own jewelry company on the side. Um, mm. So that was three or four years. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love the, the side hustles are, are I always get excited when people tell me they're doing that, you know? So for me, like the, the real estate game is, is the main business. And then the podcast is a side thing. And I hope to make the podcast more of a major thing at some point. What I would love to do, I mean, I, I enjoy real estate. It's definitely tough on the early in the early stages, but once it starts to really pick up, I want to get more and more into investment. And hopefully the real the podcast will make me a nice passive income on the side. And eventually, if I can keep doing the podcast and keep making content and it grows and grows to the point where I have endorsements, ads, large. Uh, a large following. So I'm getting money from that alone, you know, affiliate marketing, affiliate links, things like that from all these different angles. Then I would love to just focus on investment, maybe do some deals, uh, real estate deals, and then, and then just, you know, make the money from the podcast. But I mean, there's, there's so many angles. They're all, they all have a lot of financial potential. So I'm just working all of them and, and that's it. So I, I, yeah, I, I I always implore people to. Office in Miami Beach. Where are you? What, what part of Florida are you in? I'm in Aventura, like North Got Miami. It. Yeah, very nice. I know the area. Um, yeah. You're in the, the office you're in now. It's a real estate company? Yeah, Keller Williams, yeah. Guy, guy. So what mm -hmm. do you do, residential now? or Residential, yeah. Got it. I'm open to commercial. I just don't want to jump to too many things. I don't want to be a jack of all trades. If I get a commercial transaction that I think I can work on, that's fine. Meaning I'm not going to turn them away. I just don't actively seek them. If they come and if they fall into my lap, then I'll do my best to work it and make it happen. But residential is what I actively seek and, and try to, you know, I try to generate leads every single day. I make my cold calls every single day. Um, you know, and that's, that's the story. So that's what I do. What's the market like now? It's a great market. It's an, it's an excellent market, but it's very, it's a tough market. It's when you're, when you represent the seller, it's great. When you represent the buyer, it either goes well if the buyer is willing to play the game. If the buyer is not willing to play the game, it's a headache. Uh, but you have to, you know, it's all about focusing on what you can change and not, and not worrying about what you can't. So focusing on generating as many leads as possible on a daily basis learning the business, becoming a skilled realtor, because there are a lot of realtors who just kind of focus on getting referred clients, which is great, but they don't really focus on, on being skilled. So if the market switches to a much heavier buyer's market, that's where you're really going to have to learn how to become more skilled because now as it, you know, if you're, if you're on the seller side now, it's easy. You put a property on the market. I mean, you still have to negotiate. There are things you need to know, but the property pretty much sells itself. Offers right. will come in, showings will happen. Once the market slows down and, and inventory increases and there's more supply and less demand, you're going to have to be a much better realtor. You're going to have to know how to sell a property. So it's different. But ultimately what I've learned from my coach is that you always want to be listing focused. You always want to primarily be on the selling side and not on the buyer side as much as you can. Um, and this way you have the leverage. You decide the commission with the seller. You're in the driver's seat, um, you know, and, and that's really what I've been learning. So it's it's a great market. It's a great time. South Florida is a, is a kicking 
market. It's a hot market. Um, and I don't really see it slowing down anytime soon. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there are some things that are going to affect the economy in general. You know, with Russia and Ukraine, gas prices are going up. Uh, some of these very wealthy Europeans, these oligarchs are, are have their funds all tied up. So they're not going to be able to put their ridiculous amounts of money into some of these properties. There are these things that are going to affect the market. But again, I can't change that. All I could do is focus on what I can change. So it's the same with you. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's going to, this whole war is affecting the world. So it's going to have an effect on us, but that's life, right? This shit happens. Every few years, there's some sort of economic issue. It's bound yeah, to happen. Yeah. I was going to ask if you guys, you know, there was so much talk about even during COVID, the whole exodus to Florida as a, as a realtor, if it's something you guys actually experienced, like you felt a huge uptick in, in inquiries and people moving or it kind of just, it, you didn't really see that as much in New it's York still, about it because you know everyone knows each other everyone knows who's moving so it's it, it still a massive there's a lot of people moving here you can feel the traffic uh and I I know a lot of people are still moving will it be like that permanently I mean I think so I think COVID even when COVID kind of becomes a thing of the past I don't know when that'll be I mean in Florida you really don't even feel it you see masks occasionally but it's it's non-existent here and even in New York, it seems like it's less of a thing than it was. Eventually, COVID will be a thing of the past. And people might not come in droves as much as they are now. But I think COVID started to push the idea for people that they want more for their money. So although South Florida has gone up tremendously in price, you still get a better bang for your buck if, you're, if you have New York or New Jersey money or California money. You're coming to a place that will give you a better bang for your buck. If you're on a Florida salary, then you're not really in a great position because they're, they're claiming that the Florida, the South Florida market is now the most expensive market relative to, to income because the, you know, your Florida income is lower than a New York income. So, or a California income. Uh, so that's the story, but still, I think now people are working from home more than ever. They want more open space. A lot of city goers or city dwellers are moving to suburbia or even um, rural areas. I, th I think that's going to continue to be a thing. But at the end of the day, man, properties are always buying and selling. Florida has a very heavy, large population. There, if you can be successful in a state like Nebraska or Kentucky, you can be successful in a place like Miami. There are uh, real estate, people need homes. So whether the market's hotter or colder, there's always, if you're good enough at what you do and you work hard and you have the right connections, there's always going to be business. So that's why I don't really, and this is what my coach really solidified to me. People get too lost in the semantics of, well, what happens with this and what happens with that? It's like, if you're good enough at what you do, you're going to have enough business. There's still enough to go around. That's, that's the reality. Yeah. You got to, you still got to have that grind, you know, that persistence, any industry you know you want to move up in on corporate ladder it's the same type of thing but right. real estate's similar to jewelry i mean it's it's relatively salesy um you gotta you gotta be consistent you know that's the main thing mm -hmm. real estate you know i had a brief experience doing commercial in in the city when it was actually pretty hot but yeah it would take like a year you know to close my first deal um that was when i was in college so i was okay but it's definitely a grind, you know, oh, a dude, lot of you know, calls all day. 
Oh, it's, you know, there's aspect. This is why most people don't do it. They don't stick it out. It is, it's, it's a grind, but on the upside, it's just classic high risk, high reward. You know what I mean? But you get to a certain place. If you stick it out long enough and you implement the right strategies and you, and you're willing to learn, there comes a time that things start to pick up and the wheel starts to spin faster. In the beginning, the wheel, the wheel's a little bit slow. You know, your sales hamster, I guess we can call it, isn't right. running at full speed. It gets a little tired. And then once the business starts to pick up and you have systems in place to continue to, to take care of all this business, because, you know, once you get busier, you need to hire people. You only have so much time in a day. If you start getting too much business and you can't properly structure your time and, and know what to, where to place everything, you can't be a one-man show. You have to leverage. You have to hire people, no matter what business you're in. Um, and and doing that's important. Doing that's difficult. But quite frankly, I'm not there yet. I have somebody who does my paperwork, but there's a lot of other components. So I'm really focusing on closing more deals and being able to hire people. And once right. I do that, I mean, once you do that, it's just the sky's the limit. Like I want to go on vacation and barely have to answer calls. Obviously, I'm sure I'll have to here and there. But for most of the phone calls, most of the emails, the paperwork, if I have, what'd you say? Only the big deals, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying even if I'm dealing with big deals, if I have a listing, if I have a property for sale that's $3 million and it's on the, the MLS, I, I don't want to have my number there. I want to have my assistant my assistant's number there. All these realtors who are trying to get in contact with me have to go through her. She filters out all of the waste of time agents and buyers who didn't bother to look at the, the description to see if it's actually a fit. You know what I mean? So this way, instead of having 30 or, or 80 realtors calling me, I only have 10. You know, so this way I know that those 10 are serious. They're ready to go. And if there are showings to schedule, my assistant can schedule the showings. I don't, but it's it's a night and day difference. Like right now I, I'm working on a listing and I've been getting bombarded with calls and I, I don't have an assistant to do that. So I'm taking all these calls. You know, and I'm trying to make it as efficient as possible. I'm not going to show the property. So I'm doing this all from my office. But still, every phone call will can take anywhere from 30 seconds to, to a few minutes. And if you multiply that, that's, that's a lot of time. It's time I'm not getting back. It's time I'll never have again. Uh, you know, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's important. So, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm very antsy to get that done. It's, but, uh, it's that whole, I think it was, you ever listen to Patrick Bet David? Oh, dude, I love, I'm at, by the way, he's having an event in September, the vault. Oh, really? So I already I paid for it, man. Huh? I didn't hear about that, I, but what is that? I can send it to you if you're interested. It's his, it's his conference. It's a networking event. He's hosting it. I, they're likely going to be very, very wealthy people there. Um, it's a great place for you to, to network and, and get some new clients and just, you know, get to know people. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a very big fan of Valuetainment. So I, I'm, I already paid for it. I got an early bird uh, price. I'm, it's three days. It's in Florida. I think it's in Fort Lauderdale. So uh, I can send it. You, you, could just go, you could just go to the vault.com, the vault.com, Valuetainment, whatever. It'll come up. Uh, but I'm also looking to meet Patrick because I want to I wanna connect with him and have him on my podcast. He lives in Fort Lauderdale. He lives close to me. And then I want to get on his podcast and talk about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict because I have a... I have a, uh, I have a, an understanding of it or a way of explaining it that I, I, I don't hear people talking about. And 
he's spoken about it when the, the about a year ago you know there was that small mini war where they were shooting a ton of missiles a ton of rockets and he was talking about it with a few people and I, nobody on the podcast knew what they were talking about they just know it from the grid they don't really know what's actually going on so I want to definitely have that discussion with him and meeting him will have, will give me a better opportunity. And um, another awesome side to that is if I can get my face on his podcast and I have a podcast, yeah. you know what I mean? That can, that can change my life in a day. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean? you remind me of him because I was, he was talking about, I heard one video where he was talking about as an entrepreneur, you know, it's, you got to divide your time, you know, working in the business and working on the business, which are two different things. So, in the beginning, you know, it's always, you got to do all these things. You got to know how to do everything, take, answer all the calls, like you said. And you really, ideally you, you'd want to be spending that time marketing, you know, just working on marketing campaigns, working on partnerships, you know, bigger things for the company to scale. But, you know, it's kind of of a balance in the beginning, you know, figuring out how much time you could actually put to those things. You know, if you still have to work in the business itself, you know, dealing with the buyers, the brokers calling you. But yeah, he's out. great. I mean, he's, he's, I've, I've watched a lot of his stuff. I mean, I, I watched, I got back into him because I watched that Mafia States of America. I didn't watch the full thing. Oh yeah, that was cool. Uh, the, the argument with uh, Sammy, Sammy Gravano and, and, and uh, what's his name? Frenzy's uh, Mikey, Mike Frenzy. Yeah, and I kind of got that hooked on, on his videos, you know. Yeah, dude, watch. he's great, man. Patrick is, is really somebody I admire really somebody I admire. See, just a very transparent, honest guy, total business. He's a business beast. You know, the guy's just all about it, but he still has that very down to earth nature to him. You know, he's a lot of people relate to that. He doesn't have this cocky attitude, you know, it's, it's very refreshing. So was yeah, I like, a, I'm a big fan you of were that. You, huh? Were you were, were you in the army? Yeah. Right. I don't know if he, I got. I assume he, is he Israeli? What is he, what's his background? I thought that too, because his last name is Bet David. He's not Jewish at all. He's Christian. He's, I he's, across. yeah, that's right. I was, I was confused about also. I was, everybody, you know, when I meet him, I'm going to, I'm going to mention that. And he's, I'm, I'm so positive. He's going to be like, yeah, everybody, every, a lot of people think about that. That's a fact. He's not, he's not I Jewish. Know. No, he's our Arma he's Armenian and he grew up in Iran for a while. So I, I don't know if he was in the Armenian army or the Iranian army. I guess Iran, which is interesting. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's the story. He's, no, he's not Jewish. I totally thought he was also. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. That's such a classic name. Um, yeah, his name is not like his name is very Jewish. It's interesting. Yeah. It's well, not cool. Patrick didn't really fit to me when I heard Patrick. I was like, okay, maybe his parents lived here for a while, but then he has that. He has an accent. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't really sound Israeli, but then again, it, it, he, he could pass for it. Yeah, that's just what you assume, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah. Um, yeah, so is he involved in real estate? I mean, there's a lot of, when I, whenever I'm in Miami, I think, you know, well, I mean, there's obviously the jewelry district. Um, but the first thing I think about is what people do for work is just real estate development. You know, that's what it feels like is always going on around you. So I don't know if he's involved, how involved he is. I'm sure he has, you know, a bunch of properties. I don't know if they're in Florida, but. It's a good but, question uh, to ask him. I'm sure he has a lot of real estate, I would imagine. He's got to park his money somewhere, but he's also heavily, you know, he's got a lot of businesses to run. He's got a lot of businesses. He has a massive life. I think it's a life insurance company. 
he's got that's where he kind of started he's got all these content companies valuetainment has all these different subgroups you know he's got like valuetainment finance valuetainment this valuetainment that he's got the he's got all these different things that he's doing um you know it's yeah he's, he's just all over the place he's got a huge house in fort lauderdale i think it's he paid like 30 million for it <laughs> you know so yeah it's wild i i i, I really want to meet the guy i've uh I DM'd him. I DM'd uh, Adam Sosnick. I I've DM'd the the other guy Mario. I've spoken. They've all kind of Patrick never really wrote anything. He just like liked my 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 DMs, so I could tell that he actually he's seen them. And then Adam, we've talked back and forth. I've been hammering this guy with DMs to get on my podcast. He initially told me to come meet him in in Fort in Boca or Fort Lauderdale and stupid me said it just didn't want to do it out of pride i wanted him to come to me and then looking at it in hindsight i totally should have it's stupid it was fucking stupid but anyway you live and live and learn um i'm still following up with him i'll meet him at the vault it's not a big deal um yeah, you'll be able to joke about that you know oh for sure like but the thing is like when the younger me years ago would have been too prideful to dm somebody too many times because i would have been like oh i look stupid or whatever who gives a shit it just doesn't yeah, they matter. Like, Most people, businessmen, you know, that's they want to see that. That's exactly because, what I said. At the end of the day, dude, they're gonna be like, this guy's persistent as shit. He he definitely is like that in other aspects of his life. The only the only time that's a bad idea is when you're trying to attract a woman. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, sales, otherwise, but, yeah. what'd you say? There's a sales aspect, definitely, you know, but it's different. Yeah, you don't want to be a blowing no, up like yeah. very much sales is is sales and it has a lot of components when you know with men and women there are a lot of similarities but with the follow-up game i would say if anything it's probably more the opposite like you want to be as indifferent as possible but it's a totally right. different thing but yeah in terms of this like if i see that somebody's not really giving me the time of day but i know i have value to bring them and vice versa i don't care if i look stupid in the process like i really don't at the end of the day if it gets me if it gets me the end result, then, then I'm fine with it. Right. The way they, the way I would think they see it is you could send us a message and, you know, that could have been one day where you were feeling excited, ambitious, you're getting after it. You sent us one message, you know, but that's kind of the equivalent of, it's just a cold message. It's kind of like a spam almost. Um, if you're sending another one, a follow-up a month later, a couple of weeks later, you know, it just shows you're more serious about it. It wasn't like you just sent a message to everyone, all your mm -hmm. contacts, everyone on Instagram, you know, whatever it may have been. So from their perspective, it's like, I would only respond if you actually do send me a follow-up, you know, especially yeah. nowadays, so much spam. It's like every first message is almost spam, you know, in my head. Like, like if you, and obviously not from customers and not for, it's different for me, but if it, in terms of partnerships, people that we've partnered with, same type of thing. You know, you want to have a collaboration with us. If you're just sending one message and it's likely we have a lot of these conversations, so it may not be something that we think take seriously. And I've reached out to people also, you know, that it, they, I could see them thinking we reach out to every celebrity, which is not what we do, you know? So it's like, I think once, when you're at a certain level in business, you know, you expect those at least a follow up, you know, some sort of consistency from the person you're trying to, trying to engage. 
And here's a, a caveat to that is in the early stages when you don't really have a lot of recognition. So my podcast is still, still small. I have to, to some degree, I have to be proactive because if I just expect things to come to me, I'm, I'm bullshitting myself. When you get to a level where you're already well-known, so say instead of having under a thousand subscribers, I had 50,000, a lot more people know me. If Patrick just decides to check out my podcast and sees I have 50,000 subscribers, he's going to take notice a lot more than if I have under a thousand. So that, but that stage getting to that point takes a lot of grit, a lot of, you know, swallowing pride, a lot of doing things you don't want to do, making yourself uncomfortable, chasing after people. But eventually you get to a place where you don't have to really do that anymore. And then it's great. But at the end of the day, they understand that as entrepreneurs, they had to do that as well at some point. So they relate right. to it. And that's right. why it doesn't bother me when you think about it from now, you know, you step outside of the box for a minute, you're like, they did the same thing. What do I care? And if it doesn't go as planned, fine. But at least I can say I tried. And I'm supremely confident it's going to work out. I am so confident. Yeah, so I confident. Like once I meet them. Have good vibes, good conversation, I'm sure, you know? Yeah. Once I meet them, especially if I get a chance to, to get on his podcast and vice versa, I just know I'll be, it'll be a great time. I just have to actually, once I can get there, it'll be great. How big is his team? Say you want to get it. So it's the one guy you spoke with. What's his name? Adam Sosnick. Right. So he has another guy, one or two other guys. I've seen when he's interviewing some of the, like Sammy the Bull, it was like four guys around the table. I think it was Patrick and like two or three of his other guys that I guess run the podcast with him kind of. It's really just Patrick and Adam on a lot of them. He's, he's got like a couple of guys he has on. I don't know if they work for him. I don't know what the deal is. He, he, He has a huge insurance company. I don't know how many people he's got tons of people doing that. I'm sure he has all these editors and videographers and content creators and social and marketers and this and that. I'm sure he has tons of people, but a lot of them are, are on the back end. People on the front end, the faces of his company doesn't seem to have too many. And I, he probably wants to keep it that way. Yeah. It gets, it gets too complicated when you have too many faces. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, in general, the, the whole persistence thing, you know, I was just talking to somebody about it in terms of, like social media, YouTube, you're definitely, I'm sure you're a lot more familiar with it than I am. And it's a big place for content, YouTube, you know, with the shorts, the long form stuff. Mm -hmm. But now with, with all the TikTok, Instagram, it's like, I used to have the mentality where it's like one or two posts a week, you know, that's good. You get some engagement that way. You don't want to clock people's feeds, but now it's like, Anyone you speak to, they're like, yeah, you have to be making three or four TikToks a day, you know, like Gary Vee's big on that, you know, uh, the the content that you have to put out just seems like it's, there's so much out there now where it's like, you just have to have that mentality, you know, just completely put yourself out there as much as possible. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that's a sales thing also, but with, with podcasts, it's different, you know, you want quality for sure. I want to put out more content. It's just that also it all costs money and I need to, I want to, there's so much to do that I want to do, but it's going to take me time. I mean, I have a, I do it in my apartment. It's nice, but I would love to have a full blown studio that I pimp out. That's, that's my own kind of vibe and, you know, have additional microphones and have an in-person guy who can do the editing during the podcast instead of just in post. 
Um, I've made some shorts, I've made short videos, but I got to continue to do that again. But for me, the bare minimum for me is I need without, there's no negotiation. It's a non-negotiable. I need to have an episode every single week on Sunday. And I know that if I have that, at least that, and I, you know, I'm little by little, I'm always trying to improve, but it's for me, the, the importance is that people that are watching my videos or people that even aren't watching it. Cause I know there are people who know about it, but they don't really watch it or they don't really whatever. But if everyone who knows me or, or doesn't know me sees that I'm consistent and I have been from the beginning, that in and of itself is huge, you know, and most people aren't. So I've never missed a week, not once. I've had an episode every single week since I started in August of 2020. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when you started posting, I think I saw the one where you, you interviewed the UFC fighter, the Israeli. Natalia. Right. So I remember I had just seen him fight or he, like I hadn't heard of him, you know, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, with YouTube, it's, it's a lot higher production. It's a lot more that goes into it than just making it. I mean, TikToks could get complicated too, you know, Instagram posts, but it's not the same, you know, it's not the same. TikTok, yeah, it's, TikTok is an easier platform to grow. Like people, it's very funny, humans in general, they see, they see someone making content and the content blows up and they start making money and they start seeing success and other people look at it from, they, they're, they're sitting, on, sitting out on the outside and they're like, oh, that must be easy. I can do that. Even growing a TikTok page, I mean, you have to put a lot of work in. You have to, uh, let, let's let's say you're not an absolutely smoking hot girl. If, <laughs> because for them, I mean, quite frankly, even that takes work. But uh, the main reason they're getting their followers is because they're attractive, not because they, they have some intelligence to bring to the table. But say we're not talking about that. We're talking about someone who actually is making interesting videos, funny videos, informative videos. It takes a lot of work, a lot of time. Um, but yeah, yeah, eventually, if you're willing to implement the right things, it'll it'll go somewhere. Like yeah. I, I have no doubt that if I keep doing this for the next few years, hopefully it'll get a lot bigger sooner. But if I implement it for the next few years, it'll it'll have it'll uh, drastically grow. So I just yeah. have to just have to keep at it. That's all it is. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love podcasts. Are you on Spotify? Yeah, I'm on yeah. all of them. Yeah, yeah. God. That's the best because that way you can listen to it when you're driving, you know, for an hour or two somewhere. Um, you need the navigation. You can still do other things, but, you know, you got it playing. That's yeah. kind of what's and annoying. It's kind of annoying that YouTube doesn't do I guess you could pay for the Prime, but either way, it's probably not the best to have YouTube running while you're driving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, you can't really watch. Yeah, it's probably not the best. So I guess it, it works out okay. But, uh, but yeah, yeah man, I, we're, we're kind of uh, at a at the end of the uh the time here you know i kind of just uh yeah it's crazy let's go by yeah, fast. yeah time know. flew by man it was a great discussion yeah i mean i'm, I'm happy we we're able to set it up you know so spontaneously i know mm -hmm. we spoke about it you know in the past but i'm glad we were able to make it happen for sure man yeah thanks for coming i appreciate it so thanks again for coming aria i appreciate you i had a great time it was a great yeah. conversation and uh, guys, make sure to subscribe, like, share. Uh, if you're looking for any jewelry whatsoever, go to Arya and Co. I'm going to drop all of the, the links so you can get in contact with him and his company. Um, again, leave your comments, share it with the family, the dog, the grandmother, and uh, I will see you all soon. Peace. Appreciate that, man. Great talking to you. You got it, man. Likewise.